Well, once again, we are in the book of Romans, and this morning we're going to uh, make quite a jump. I don't want to just jump without going through it. Paul has been laying the grounds for us in this letter to Romans of why the law is good, but yet that we are under a new law. Christ Jesus came to this earth and satisfied the law of God for us because we can't do it. No matter how hard we try in this flesh, and we do try. We do try. We are not antinomian. That means lawless. God's law is good. And I would, I, if I could live the way I want to, if I could live the way I want to, I would live it perfectly. But that's not going to happen until the Lord takes me out of this body of death, this body of flesh. And none of you are going to live that way either until the Lord takes you out of it. We're going to battle. We're going to battle this flesh for the, from the, until the day the Lord takes us home. So this is our grace in knowing that we have this battle before us, that our Lord has fulfilled it for us. We're going to jump from, we're going to start at verse 10, Romans chapter 6. And we're going to read all the way through this morning to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to stop and take a good close look at Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4. But right now I want to start with verse 10. And just bear with me. I know it's a lot of scripture to be reading. But as we go through, you'll see that Paul is basically going through and guiding us to that point of Romans chapter 8. He's guiding us to this point to remind us that God's law is good. We want to serve it as best we can, but Christ is the one who served it perfectly for us. That's who we look to. That's who we look to for our righteousness because that's a righteousness that was established in him and in him alone. So beginning at verse 10 of Romans chapter 6, we read, for in that he died, speaking of our Savior, Christ Jesus, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's exactly what I just finished saying a moment ago. All of our righteousness is in Him. We live through Him. We live in Him. He is our all in all. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants? Ye are to whom ye obey, whether the sin, whether of sin unto death, or or obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Now that's a strange thing for Paul to say, isn't it? God be thanked that we were servants. You know why? Because if we weren't servants to sins at one point, then we wouldn't know the difference between then and now. We wouldn't know that we are the servants to God's grace now. 
We serve, we look to him for his grace in all things. But we wouldn't have done that if we hadn't have known sin. Law is what taught us sin, what sin is. God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free, verse 18, from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Being free from the dominion of sin in all our lives, we are now servants of his righteousness. Servants to him. That's what looking to Christ for his righteousness is. It's serving him. It's looking to him, his righteousness. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' service to uncleanness and to iniquity unto in, and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things? Where are ye now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Know ye not, brethren, verse 1 of chapter 7, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. We know the law. We know the law is good. How that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now, now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve the newness of spirit and not the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. That's what I was saying just a moment ago. Thank God we had sin in our lives at one point, so we know what the perfect and the righteousness of the law is. Had not known the sin, but by the law, for I have not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of conspicuance. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by the which is good, that sin 
by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. <clears throat> For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would do, for what I would that do, I not. But what I hate, that I do. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is the present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members, in the flesh. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Boy, I tell you, it took a lot of words for us to get to that point, didn't it? It took a lot for Paul to describe the whole thing of, oh, wretched man that I am. See, that's why I wanted to go ahead and jump through to where we are to, right now. I wanted to bring you through all that. I don't want to skip any of God's word. But all of what Paul just brought out brings us to this very point right here. Oh, wretched man that I am. And we know we are, don't we? We absolutely know we are. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then we come to verse number 1 of chapter 8. Folks, there is two things. Correct me if I'm wrong. But there's two things that every believer, every believer wants above all else. True believers, true believers who know their conviction of sin, that we all that what we just read about, all of the things, and, and, and it's kind of monotonous for us to read it because we know this, don't we? We knew all what we just read, didn't we? Everything that was just read is part of our flesh, and we know that to be true in our flesh. And as a true believer, one whose God has convicted us of our sins, causing us to look to his son, there are two things that we desire the most, I believe. At least it goes for me. Number one, I want deliverance from my guilt. I want to be delivered from the guilt in this body. Oh, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the guilt that Paul has in the flesh. Oh, how I desire, oh, how I want to walk according to God's law. I want to be delivered from the guilt that I cannot. I want to be delivered from the curse of sin. I want to live in Christ Jesus my Lord. Secondly, every believer wants to be delivered, wants deliverance from the power and the practice of sin. That's what I was mentioning a minute ago. We want. Oh, if I could just live the way I want to. If I could just live putting away the power and the practice of sin and walk in the Spirit. I can tell you this, that a saving interest in Christ and our living union with Him, both of those points are completely and 
accomplished. We forget that, don't we? We forget. We forget whose blood it was that was shed on the cross to pay for our sins, don't we? Don't tell me you don't. If you don't, you're somebody special. Because Christ instituted this coming to the table for that very reason, because He knows in the flesh we are weak and we forget. Not only are we weak and we forget, we get a little stiff-necked at times and purposely try to turn away from it and say, Oh no, see what I'm doing? See the good that I'm doing? I know, I do the same thing. A saving interest in Christ, our living union with Him accomplishes both of those desires that I just moment ago. It accomplishes delivering us from our guilt. Delivering us from the curse of the sin. We live in Christ. It accomplishes delivering us from the power of sin and the practice of it. When I, when I have something sinful in my mind, across my mind, I'm watching something on TV and uh, whatever. Use whatever you want to use. Or somebody just cut me off in the traffic and all of a sudden I'm, my, my blood starts to boil a bit. Or, or I remember somebody who wronged me really bad in life. Somebody who did something that is unforgivable in my life. And I think about that and all of a sudden the anger and the hatred comes up towards it again. I see heads going up and down. Yeah, you folks know what I mean. I remember. I remember by God's grace, His grace for me. And sometimes... Sometimes he pushes it on my mind so hard of his grace for me and reminding me of it that I'm actually able to be gracious to that one I was thinking of so angrily about. Occasionally. Occasionally. I'm not patting myself on the back that I'm any better. I'm patting my, my Savior for what he's done for me. And I do it because of what he's done for me. I had no care about that before. Did you? Did you have any care for the, for the grace of God in your life towards you before? Or were you actually out there trying to earn your way through salvation? Like most of us were. You know, I say that I was not a religious person at one time, and I wasn't. I, I, was, I was a John religion. But that, too, is trying to work my way into God's salvation. Isn't it not? The very fact that I would not do certain things back before the Lord even called me out of darkness was the fact that I was saying, well, that's, I don't want to do that because it's wrong. I want to do what's right. Even though I wasn't doing it for the glory of Christ at that time. I wasn't giving Him any glory for it. I was glorifying myself with it. Look at verse 8 1 here with me if you would. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. The Apostle Paul does not say that we are not condemnable Folks, everything about us is condemnable. We are sin from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. God cannot overlook sin. But there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because He's taken our condemnation on Himself. He was made to be sin. He was made to be our sin. It wasn't His. There was no sin in Christ at all. Even the day He hung on that cross. But He was made to be our sin. 
He was perfect. Even in the deliverance of Himself upon that cross, the death of Himself, everything about us is condemnable. And Christ took every bit of our condemnation upon Himself. There is therefore now no condemnation. God can't condemn us twice. He's already condemned us in His Son, hasn't He? He's already laid all of His wrath upon His Son, Jesus Christ, has He not? Well, He can't do it to us again afterwards. There's no condemnation to us if we're in Christ. If He went to the cross for us, we are as clean as He is. We are as holy as He is. Be ye holy, for your God is holy. I am. Not in this flesh, but I am in my Savior, and I am perfectly holy in Him. Perfectly holy in Him. There is therefore no, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We are, we, he, Paul didn't say we are not condemnable, for there's still sin within us. And all sin is condemnable, but sin cannot bring us into condemnation twice. For we are in Christ Jesus. Look over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Go to the right there, just a few pages. Galatians chapter 3. Speaking of what I just mentioned a moment ago, Christ being condemned for us. Over in Galatians chapter 3, we read in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed. Our blessed Redeemer didn't try to redeem us. He did redeem us. It just bothers me every time I hear somebody say, God wants, God tries, God would love to have you do this. If God would love to have me do it, He will bring me to do it. Turn me, Lord, and I will be turned. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Our condemnation was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He has borne our penalty, judgment, and condemnation for all of our sins, past and future. Look over at Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile, that means to unite, that means to bring us together again. That means to bring those who were separated apart, separated by sin, he who was, on the, who was made a curse for us, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you what? <laughs> I just get a kick out of that. This is just to present me holy. Be ye holy, for your God is holy. To present me holy and unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Oh, folks, I'm telling you, we're going to look at a little bit deeper in that subject when it comes to that subject uh, for the next message. Then it says, Who walk not after the flesh in our text back in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. After it tells us we are not, there is no, therefore no condemnation to which those of us that are in Christ Jesus, it says, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is not the reason why we are con not condemned, but it is a description 
of those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't walk after the flesh anymore. Folks, we don't have any confidence in our flesh, do we? Absolutely none. Everybody's head shaking. Yes, I know exactly what that means. I got no confidence in this flesh that stands before you. I can walk out that door and commit a sin just as quick. I can, I can commit five sins before I even get to that door. I can name John Reeves in five notes before I even get to that door. Walking in the Spirit is not what causes no condemnation. Christ is the one who has caused no condemnation. And the results of that is that we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Christ is our Lord and our Holy Spirit, and He is our guide. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. This is what Paul was talking about there. Who's going to deliver me? O wretched man that I am. In verse 24, who shall deliver me from the body of this death, this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, through our Savior, by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The gospel of Christ or the covenant of grace in Christ has forever freed all believers from the law of sin and death. For every requirement, every requirement of the law is met in our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Look back at verse chapter 6, verse 7. He that is dead is freed from sin. Now look over at verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now back in our text again, one more verse if you would there. Oh, actually we're going to look at two more. Verse 3 next. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The weakness or the inability to save does not arise from any defect in God's law. For the law is perfect and holy. The defect and the weakness is in our flesh. The law cannot save because we are unable to keep the law. Yet as we read in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, For I know that in me there is no, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. But Christ can justify the ungodly just as he does all of his people and make righteous the chief of sinners. That's what Paul calls himself, the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. I know this because I see my sin where I don't see all of yours. And I'm glad I don't see all of yours. Don't bring it for me. Don't bring it before me and show it to me. I don't want to see it. I got enough sin in my own flesh to see. Take it to God. Take it to our Savior. Take it to the feet of Jesus and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I need help. I need help getting through this sin and passing it by, walking away from it. God, I hope the sin in your life burdens you enough to bring it to your Savior. Let it burden us enough to go to our closet in private and say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Christ justified the ungodly and he makes righteous the chief of sinners. For as our representative, God sent him here in the likeness of sinful flesh. He not only obeyed the perfect law, but was condemned and punished by it for our offenses. Look back at Romans chapter 5, verse 19. 
For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, and here we go. Here's the one who obeyed the law perfectly for us, the one who was perfectly condemned for it in our place, the one who took our punishment for our offenses. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now back in your text in verse 4, and we'll come to a close. It says that the righteousness, verse 4, Romans chapter 8, that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The righteousness of the law fulfilled or fully met in us. This is the reason why Christ came to the earth, isn't it? Isn't that why he became a man? Isn't that why God Almighty humbled himself and became a servant? Not just to pay the price for our sin, but to satisfy every jot, every tittle of God's law for our sakes, because we can't. Isn't that what he did? Isn't that what he did walking this earth perfectly and doing everything that pleased the Father? Absolutely. That's the reason he came to the earth. That by his active and passive obedience, all believers might be justified, sanctified, made holy, and accepted in the Beloved. In Christ we have honored the law and satisfied justice, and we are perfect before God. And we'll close by looking over Colossians chapter 2. In Christ we have honored the law and satisfied it. We have satisfied the justice of God. We are perfect before God, just as our Savior is. And here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we read this. For in Him, in our Savior, in the One who has satisfied the law for us, who has honored the law for us, who has satisfied the justice of His Father for us, the One who we are perfect in, in Him, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power.